The Guardians' lead on first place is a little bit more tenuous after a rough weekend in Seattle. We got three games to talk about, some Owen Miller to discuss, and what's on deck as this schedule does not really let up, but for a few times till the end of the season on today's Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7, now all of Locked On. Uh, want to thank you for making today's episode your first listen today and every day wherever it is that you get podcasts so let's get into Owen Miller before we get into games because for the most part people agreed with me though I do had you know I love love you to death Avery do not take this as a slam Avery and I have gotten into it multiple times on Owen Miller and here's the thing about Owen Miller outs above average which I quote often on this from baseball savant is really the only source piece that has him as a positive defender and if you dig into the numbers there, it's his lateral towards third base. He's plus two compared to the field. Lateral towards first, he's a one. Going back, he's a one. Uh, going in, he's a negative. He's not good going in, and that's universal. He can't get in at any position he's played. Now, him being a former infielder playing first, he has more range. And essentially, that is what is giving him a positive about this above average. He has a negative war by baseball reference. He's a negative value in fan graphs. And... Okay, this is the time I'll really dig into the weeds. I used to write a series on U, uh, ultimate zone rating. And ultimate zone rating was one of those defensive things that have been out there. We've been trying to quantify and failing to quantify defense, if I'm being honest. It's still probably best by the eye test, maybe the one area that still is. But the thing with user is you wanted three years of data. You can't do like one year. You can't do 500 innings this year. You have to do three years of data to really get anything useful from it. And that means we have to put both of his years of data together at first base, and he'd have a negative value. Same thing if you use the uh, the DRS, defensive run saves. I don't see a lot of people use this anymore. A lot of the Bill James stuff is actually like, Bill James built this, and you know, first level of a pedestal, and now everything's gone up. Uh, but he has a negative value for his career so far as well, and that's another one that is most defensive, those early ones like user, like DRS. You need three years of data. You need multiple years of data for them to really be predictive. So if you're only using partial data, it's not going to show. Again, the things like the baseball reference, defensive value, fan graphs, um, defensive value, all have him as a negative this year. And I think with our eyes, we see that. And let's be honest, he didn't cost them Sunday's game. He didn't help. I mean, he hurt Aaron Zavale uh, significantly multiple times in that seventh inning if you missed it. One, he probably should have been the guy to cover first. Like, that's the thing. You don't have the, the pitcher cover. You get back. And it gets drilled into you. And then the dropped foul ball, which then immediately afterwards they hit a three-run home run, he caught on the wrong part of his glove. And I understand he's falling backwards. It's not an easy situation. Uh, and that additional range is maybe the only reason he can get there. But he's you, you got to – I don't know how many times I've seen him drop a ball this year because he doesn't catch it on the right part of his glove. Um, <clears throat> am I crazy? Please let me know. Hit me up on my Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Am I crazy? Or does it feel like he does not know how to use his glove properly? That he is always miscatching balls. And it's one of those things. Yeah, he's playing out of position. He hasn't played a lot of first base in his career. He played a little bit last year. He didn't play a ton in the minors. 
But like catching a pop up is catching a pop up. <laughs> it it doesn't really change. Change is it a laziness? I'm not sure what the issue is. But yeah, he's just let's see in the minors. He had uh, all of eight games at first base, and then so far in the majors, he's up to 83 games at first. It's the most innings he's had um, at the major league levels at first base. So I just kind of look at that, and I get it, but like it's first base. It's it's and, and I've gotten into this with a few other people. I'm like Terry Francona throws Ernie Clement in the outfield, which he you know had almost never played. He throws Mike Freeman and Michael Martinez out in the out like outfield is harder to get than first base. You would think someone can handle that position. I thought part of the whole point of calling up Will Benson was like, well, he can place him first. And I get it. You don't want to send him out with his struggles right now uh, against a lefty today. But at the same time, you don't want to throw out Owen Miller against a lefty. And I, you know, I think one could make a very strong case that Cleveland, let's say I was just kind of curious, like all the talk about Will Benson and playing first, and how he's going to play first in that first call-up game. If He hasn't played one game at first since he's been called up. Not one inning. Uh, but to get back to the point, it's like you almost have to get rid of Owen Miller because Tito doesn't know how to properly use him. You know, he's got a, since May 1st, you know, he was on fire to start the year. He's got a 59 runs created plus. A 59 like, that is, he's been one of the worst hitters in baseball since May 1st. Uh, he's not Miles Straw, but he's not far away. We're talking about two of the 10 worst hitters in baseball. And if you just look at it by month, 228 for March and April, 60, 43, 84 in July, 53. He's at a 50 runs created plus in the second half. He's been bad. And then you go back into it, his runs created plus, which, again, if my bad, I, I sometimes forget uh, I need to explain this, it is just a metric that takes all the offensive production and 100 is average. And then you go 10 points higher, that's about, you know, a, ten, a derivation higher, 10 percentage points higher. So it's, it shows how productive. This is saying that he has been about, you know, five derivations, 50% less productive as a hitter. And then here's why you almost have to take him off the, the roster. Against righties, he has a 91. So he is, he's in, almost in that average range because it's about to 95 to 105 is more average. He's slightly below average against right-handers. Against lefties, he's a 60. He has a reverse platoon split which is the same thing with miles straw and this team refuses to recognize that so we keep seeing owen miller and his platoon partner it's it's you know who's sitting down (laughs) who it seems more like oh we got to put him in against a righty because naylor is still in these games it's not like he is not playing in these games that they lose uh against a lefty but it's just it's the weirdest thing to see how they choose to deploy players in these games you know, for a long time, it was, it was Andres who wasn't playing because it was a lefty, uh, Jimenez. And then today, let's see, who was missing from the normal lineup? Because we had, I, well, that's just the thing. They essentially have an open DH now because Palacios is, you know, part of that rotation. They they need Fran Mil Reyes. That's what they need. Let's be perfectly honest. They need Fran Mil Reyes, who, I don't know if anyone saw the cast of uh, Anthony Castro, I'm going to butcher his name, he used to cover the Guardians. Uh, back then, the Indians. But, you know, you go and you look at... He was checking uh, balls at third base today before the game. I tweeted that out. Like, he was sitting back and doing that uh, just as in case they needed him. He was going to go out and play that. He has continued to be, uh, you know, better. He's not necessarily great, but he's he's a league average bat for Chicago. And, boy, could we use league average right now uh, if you are a fan of the Guardians. Uh, this year, let's see. 
I forgot he pitched for Chicago this year. I mean, he's mostly just been a, uh, a DH or an outfielder for them, but he's been league average. Cleveland can't even say that. They have not had, uh, you know, sorry, he's been almost, he's been entirely a DH for them. But he was so poor, and he leaves here and goes to Chicago and immediately is back to being average. Not, you know, where he was, or he's a 116, a 125. He was typically close to 120, about two derivations above league average, about 20% better than most hitters. Uh, now he's just about average, but boy, would average look good right now on this Guardians team. And Owen Miller might be a great dude. I think in the right situation, he could be useful on this team. But it's the same problem they had with Henry and Clement, where it's the overuse. Or in Miller's case, using him incorrectly. Like, if you want him to go out and play, um, and it's kind of the problem, right? Like, Palacios is... he's. He's left-handed as well, right? I'm kind of blanking here. But Jones and Benson and those guys are left-handed, so you want them to face the righties. So then Miller's going to play against the lefties because he's right-handed, but he's not good against the lefties. He's good against the righties. This is why Connor Joe would have made so much sense to throw back to my episode about trading for him. They need someone like that. They need a Luplo. They need a Connor Joe. They need their Brandon Geyer. They need... And a platoon partner, if this is what they're going to go for, that actually works as a platoon partner. Uh, We're going to take a break, come back, and discuss uh, the MLB standings as well as this really annoying series against Seattle. Not just because they lost, but annoying for a lot of reasons. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst thing that could happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong! The truth is your reaction times slow down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been, been using marijuana in any form, don't get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. So why were these games annoying? Because like, if you were like me and you watched the... I actually like the Apple TV broadcast. Okay, I'm, I'm going to flex. I, I pay for Apple TV. That's right. Uh, big time flex there, but that it was an annoying game because just you know it was it it went to the eleventh, but man, as I was sitting there at home, I was kind of like, did this go fifteen? Like it just felt like it kept going, and I had no confidence. And and the annoying thing with this game, we'll start here, is what they had base runners in like the ninth, the tenth, the eleventh. They kept getting a chance to pull ahead, and then just couldn't do anything. You get your base runners on, and then. You know, nothing happens. And, uh, oh, I mean, even when they, you know, they, let's see, they, the thing, t- Seattle ties it up in the, the seventh late. And there's that part of me that with Stephen Kwan where I'm like, dude, don't, don't make that diving catch. That was an amazing catch. But you, if you get hurt, the season is done. They can't afford to lose any of their central pieces. Don't, plus, if you want to get just a little bit into the weeds on it, um, you know, that allowed the base runner to advance, which then allowed the sack fly to get the run home. I'm not putting that on him more than anything else. I'm just worried about his health. But, yeah, so if we if I go there in the ninth, they get the double, then it's a ground out, fly out, pop out. And, by the way, the ground out advanced Andres Jimenez to third base with one out. Freeman flies out, doesn't get it deep enough. Palacios pops out, nothing to show for it in the ninth. In the tenth, you already have the base runner on. Uh, Miles Straw. Miles Stra- I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like he needs. Like he needs a break. 
it's kind of crazy because you think about straw and, and Fran Mill. And I'm sad no one commented on my Freaky Friday theory. Thanks a lot, people. I thought it was being funny there. But uh, to get back to it, it's why what's going down? Like you have all these advanced approaches. You have all the, the great new hitting people. How can they not help these guys get out of their funks? Why is it like the minute Fran Mel leaves, he's average? Why is it Straw is putting up one of the all-time bad seasons in MLB history? He's not an all-time bad guy. We have the data to show it. But I I don't know. I Like, he's he's got to be a mess mentally. Like, there's no way around it. He has got to be a mess mentally because he is just not the same hitter he has been in terms of how he approaches the plate and, and hitting in general. But you get the out from him, almost an automatic at this point, which I hate to say it as a defender of Miles Straw to the, to the hilt, but he is... He's historically awful right now. Then you get the walk, and then, of course, Ahmed grounds a new double play. Um, you know, two of my tweets from that night where it feels like Jose Ramirez leads the league in pop-ups, and then uh, a Detroit guy, Chris Brown, from uh, uh, does a lot of Detroit writing, great dude, and very good if you want Tigers information. He's like, he does, and he pulled up the baseball cement data, and I'm like, no, that feels right. Um, it, because... Was that when the Guardians got the tying run across? I can't remember. It was. I feel like it was in this game uh, where, you know, I, I made that comment, and then the pop-up got dropped by the catcher, and it said he got the sack fly to get the run across. Um, the other one was it feels like Rosario leads the league in grinding into double plays. And listen, Ahmed is struggling with runners in scoring position. I don't know if it's improved, but for a time he had a negative value if you look at his split data with like high leverage situations he is not the guy you know uh, Jimenez is the guy you want up there and I understand like uh, you know there's changes to that there's there's been ups and downs with it but yeah in a high leverage situation uh, Ahmed has a 49 runs created plus it's not good Uh, he has for whatever reason really struggled Uh, men on base he is fine base is empty men in scoring position situational this is interesting this is different but the high leverage has not been great for him but yeah he just always seems to hit into double plays and it's a little bit infuriating uh just because there's so many double plays i mean he has he's hit 15 with men in scoring position and or men on base like because you have to have men on base so he has hit into 18 double plays and that that is a lot he is hit into so many double plays this year. And then, you know, if I look at the advanced data, just in my head, no, he's still uh, puttering around. Like, So it's interesting. June was great. July was still strong. And then August, it's been a little bit of a step down the ladder since his struggles in March and April, and then even a bit in May. So we'll have to see. He's not quite as scorching hot as where he was. Uh, right now for the season, you know, his runs created plus is, is it in like his typical, yeah, 108. So close to a little high, but still his typical range. Uh, but yeah, the ground ended a double play there. And then you go to the 11th, they intentionally walk Jose Ramirez. So you got men on first and second. Uh, the first out advances Rosario to third. So then you got men on first and third and you have Jimenez up. Who's perfect, right? He is the guy you want up in that situation. Now fielder's choice out. Uh, they get, and it's, you know, thank you, Carlos Santana, for being aware. Santana throws home, gets the out of home. He's because he's a good defender at first. I, I mean, I, right now, if money was equal, Santana is not having a good offensive year, and I bet his stats aren't necessarily great, but I would certainly take Santana over Owen Miller. Um, 
And I say that knowing that he's probably got like a 70 runs created plus this year, if I am correct. Let's see. It is over combined numbers. He's always oh, in a 98. See, now I definitely take him over Owen Miller right now. His, his defensive run save isn't there, but that was, was one of those smart plays. Like, I don't think Owen Miller is going to make that throw to home to get that out. But then Oscar Gonzalez walks and you get the bases loaded. And, you know, Ty Freeman had, had a big double in like the seventh or eighth after some, you know, what? He had two or three errors in this game. Two errors in this game. Leaving him in there in that situation, I, I don't know if that's what I would have done. Like, especially because you, you got a righty pitching in uh, Penn Murphy, who I, at least I should double check. I believe he was a righty. Like, go get one of your million and a half lefties, right? <laughs> go, go, go get those guys. And here's part of the problem. When you pinch run Naylor for Owen Miller, you don't really have anyone else. Like, who's going to take over on that infield for them? Yeah, Murphy's a righty, but it's like, who's going to play? I guess they really don't have a choice. You have to let Freeman go out and hit with the bases loaded. But, yeah, because you don't have, because Palacio said pinch hit early in the game, even if you're on, they were out of guys. And that's really like, maybe pinch running wasn't the right call. Like, maybe that's not the time to go get the pinch runner. Uh see how it i don't know it, I'm, it's a hard situation to really second guess but yeah this game just kept going I, it was nearly two in the morning my time so it was nearly three in the morning for you people in cleveland when it finally ended uh, i don't believe i was watching it on a slight delay sometimes i do that but it was just oh just an absolutely infuriating one because you had the pitching bieber was fantastic in this one seven innings two runs only one earned nine strikeouts five hits the two errors by freeman uh you could say uh, like i said owen Miller, you couldn't say cost them the game because they couldn't do anything offensively. You can make a case that Miller co- or Freeman cost them this game with the defensive miscues. Yes, he also had a double. It was also interesting. Like Austin Hedges had two hits, Med Rosario had two hits, uh, Stephen Kwan reached base twice, and I think that's it. But Freeman had a double, but there just wasn't enough to cancel out the negativity. You had the intentional walk to to Jose in this one, so he reached base. Uh, why uh he would have reached i already said so yeah the top of the lineup at least reached base twice and you had hedges there and then the bottom was not so much uh your box score bingo eight hits by cleveland with three walks an intentional walk that's 12 base runners that should be about four runs they had two right they just couldn't they kept abandoning dudes at third like i said three innings in a row they left a runner at third base you're gonna lose like it felt like we just kept waiting for, and, and Mitch Haniger was just a killer in this one. But we kept, I, I don't know, it felt like they weren't going to get it. It just, it was one of those games, the longer you watch, the more, I'm sorry, they had nine hits. Like I said, eight, did the wrong side of the box score, so that's nine hits. Uh, three walks is 12, so 13, yeah. Four op, should have had about four runs. And again, because they also had what? One, two, three, four extra base hits. They, they should definitely have had four runs. They had two. Just kept leaving guys on base. Other side of things. Eight hits, two walks, one intentional walk, I believe, for them as well. That is 11 base runners. That should be three to four runs. They got three. Uh, You know, the other thing in this, like, Trevor Steffen was not necessarily at his sharpest, but he didn't, you know, give up any runs or anything. He got through when it was not working for him. They go get Sandlin, and he continues to be nails. He has been so good since his return. 
Class A gets the loss because he gives up a hit that scores the run like the first guy he faces. You feel good with Class A in. I know there's some people being like, see, this is what happens when you use your closer in a non-safe situation. I would just say calm down. He's still one of the best relievers in baseball. Three stars, I think you have to say Bieber gets it. And then after that, like, who do you give it to offensively? I, I say Hedges for two hits and one of them being an extra base hit. And, you know, I, I would look at a med, but, man, he also had the killer with that grounded double play. I might give it to Sandlin. He came into a tough situation and recorded the outs. I mean, that was just a knuckle down, but that's the thing. These are two of the best bullpens in baseball, and we saw it in this one. Unfortunately for Cleveland, it's it's a loss, and we're going to take a break, come back, and talk about the win, try to end some positive, and, and we'll get into a little bit of Sunday's game. We already kind of talked about it, but we'll discuss uh, the three stars of that one as well as the box square bingo on today's Locked On Guardians. Okay, let's close out. I stayed up late watching. It was just painful to watch that game unfold. Uh, let's very quickly, we're going to go back and talk about this loss on Sunday, and then we'll end with the win. So over the course of this, uh, the Twins are now on a three-game winning streak. Let's also handle this because I do want to end positively. It's not been a positive weekend, so let's end with the positive. Cleveland has a two-game lead on the Twins. The Twins have a three-game win streak. Uh, Cleveland would be, I believe, two games out of the wild card, so you really need to win the Central at this point in time. Uh, right now, Tampa is up one and a half. Then Seattle, Toronto is on a three-game losing streak. So Baltimore, who's the next team up, one and a half games back. We will talk about tomorrow's game. I don't think we have an off. They have an off day tomorrow. Watch me be totally wrong in that. But I do not believe there is an off day for Cleveland tomorrow. I believe it is right into the Baltimore series. No, it is a Monday off day. That's right. It's back-to-back off days on Monday. So tomorrow we're going to focus in and talk about Baltimore. Because we haven't talked about them in a while. Remember when we lost those games to Baltimore last time they faced? And everyone's like, you can't lose to Baltimore. Well, Baltimore's a playoff contender now. So we'll talk about Baltimore tomorrow on the show. Quickly, in this game, who reached base twice in the Sunday game? Well, they had zero walks, so that makes it difficult. That's right, zero walks. They were so aggressive. Robbie Ray has not pitched well this year. Uh, They made him look like the Robbie Ray of a year ago. They just really bailed him out. I don't know what was going on, but they, there was just no patience at all in this game. Uh, they had z- zero walks you're going to lose more often than not. That means you're swinging at everything. They manage all the five hits. That should be good for about a run. Uh, the, uh, uh, Jimenez had your only extra base hit in this one. You know, Savale was not bad. And listen, he's got four runs all earned. One can make a strong case, though. It's like... Okay, the home run to tie France is the home run to tie France. But that one inning, it's the way it went down with the Miller situation. Not running back to first, then it's the error on Savale. And then Miller drops what should have been a catchable ball. Like, it's ugly. And, you know, for me, Savale pitched well. Like, he's going to be one of the three stars. I know he gave up four earned runs, but he's one of the three stars. It was a strong performance by him. Four hits, two walks, five strikeouts, gave up the two home runs. Uh, Iniel comes in for two-thirds of an innings, and then Shaw continues to get those appearances up, get that big bonus money for him. <laughs> you know, Austin Hedges had a stolen base as well in this one. So that's our three stars, Aaron Savale. Again, normally four runs and six and a third. I may not in picking up the loss. Not that wins and losses matter for a pitcher evaluation, but he pitched really well in my mind. It's like he should have been out of that inning in multiple chances. It should have been one run given up. Still wouldn't have mattered because Cleveland couldn't touch Robbie Ray and were just swinging. I mean, they were not, there was no patience at all in this game. Um, 
God, I forgot it was Dylan Moore of all people too who hit that out. You just got you got to finish off the guys who aren't that good. But at the same time, 206 averages, 741 OPS. So I should shut my mouth on Dylan Moore. Um, five hits by Cleveland. So your three stars, Jimenez had an extra base hit, and Austin Hedges stole a base. So there you go. There's your three stars. Let's move to the win. This was a game, after going through everything I went through Friday night, I didn't stick around for the whole one. I just saw this offense not doing anything early on, and I kind of was like, I'm not staying up late. Of course. Now it's the other way around. So in this one, Cleveland, if you missed it, came back in the eighth, like me if you missed it, with three runs. They were losing 3-1 to one entering that inning. Zach Plesak was awesome. Uh, he gave up three earned runs, but he only gave up three base runners in the whole game. Three hits, all three solo shots. I mean, it's unfortunate to that degree, but seven innings, six strikeouts, three hits, no walks. I'll take that. He's going to be one of the stars for that. Uh, 99 comes in for that one inning, gets the strikeout. Class A comes in for one inning, picks up save number 30. They get to Munoz, who gets a blown save in this one. Uh, who Again, I mean, he's been Class A light all year, so it was interesting to see uh, that occur. To get into it, you know, let, let's just discuss. Well, let's do our typical. Let's talk about reach base twice, two hits by Quan, uh, two hits for Jose. He only had two walks in this one. And then, let's see, I think that's it, correct? Unless there was an intentional walk or hit batter I missed. Yeah, that's it. Other than that, I mean, they only managed six total hits. Box score bingo, they had eight opportunities. Eight opportunities. That should lead to less than three runs. They got four. So this is the game where they had all of the luck after the previous series where they had none. The other side of things, you, uh, I'm sorry, there's also the error. So they had nine opportunities. So that should be about three runs. The other side of things, three hits, uh, no walks. So that should be good for about one run. They got three. Uh, because all three hits were home runs, let's talk about the the you know the the win here. Let's talk about the eighth inning. So Stephen Kwan starts out with a walk. Ahmed does not ground into a double play. He gets a single. Jose gets the double, scores the first run. Naylor grounds out. Jimenez uh, gets the in that ground out, scores a run. After that, Jimenez gets the sack fly. And, again, it's two outs after you get your, your bases with, you know, not loaded, but you have, what, runner on second and third. They're able to get runs across, even if it's not due to productive play, even if it's outs. They had no outs uh, with runners on second and third, down by a run, and they still ground out sack fly to take care of business and win this one. It's nice because otherwise, guess what? It'd be a one-game lead in the Central right now uh, instead of a two-game lead. We're going to talk about, uh, like I said, Baltimore tomorrow. And Seattle's coming to, to town. So it's not like there's any rest for the weary. And unfortunately, if you are Cleveland, you're, you're still getting Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray, who both were nails against Cleveland, uh, George Kirby as well. But you're not getting Plesak and – I'm sorry. And here's the thing. Plesak, do you remember a few years ago when he had that late no-hitter against Seattle? He seems to pitch well against Seattle. We will see if that's only when he's in Seattle or what the deal of it is this week. But you're not getting McKenzie and Bieber in this series, which, hey, they dropped both of those games. So who knows? Uh, I was 0 for 3 on the weekend, by the way, if you're keeping track at home in terms of getting it. The one upside is after, the, you know, in this time, a week from this time, we'll be into September. 
you all have that long weekend. And Kansas City's coming to town where they better take care of business because there's not a lot of breaks in the schedule. They need to take care of the Royals and start to maybe build that lead back up in the Central. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Guardians Podcast this week. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. Subscribe on YouTube. I answer all, comment on everything on YouTube. So if you wanted to ask a question, uh, it's a great place to throw a question down. And if you specifically say this is for a mailbag, or hit me up on my Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. It's been a little bit since we did a mailbag. I need to start rebuilding the mailbag. Uh, I will save it for that. But uh, as always, thank you all. Uh, we're Numbers are looking good, good, good. And we're continuing to grow. And that's thanks to the great listeners out there. And Avery, if you listen to the whole thing, I love you, buddy. We may not agree on Owen Miller, but Owen Miller and Straw, we may not agree. Everything else, I think we click on. Uh, Aaron, it's the same thing, though. I will say this. Uh, talk about Aaron there quickly. Like, all the times we ripped on Virginia. We still can disagree. And I think this is just a life lesson, right? Like, we can disagree and still be cool to each other. Like, life doesn't have to be always about us being entirely in lockstep so if you disagree with my statements sure definitely hit me up and let me know we and sometimes i get things wrong uh i like i said i've mispredicted three games in this series if you want one very recently but uh thank you all and as i end every show go go guardians go